You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. And for me, it's a call. It's a call to rise up and overcome. Whatever it is, life's greatest challenge for you at that time, whether it be big or small, rise up, overcome. Don't, don't quit. Don't wave the white flag. Don't surrender. Don't give up unless it's something you need to give up and surrender. Everyone you meet every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming. I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet, and neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome. Are you ready? Are you ready to be the interviewee on your own show? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. You get to just talk. I guess so. I get to answer some questions. <laughs> yes. Do we have some questions, Justin? So I guess we've started. I think so. Okay. Let's, let's get just into jump it. in. Let's jump in. Yeah. This is part one. Part one of a Q&A episode on Overcome with Justin Wren. That's right. Yeah. Where so, Amy gets to be the host, the right. love of my life. I am your producer and other things. Yeah. <laughs> Today I'm your producer. Today I'm your interview. Today I'm your question asker. So, awesome. yeah. So I think this is great because um, I think there's a lot of questions that people always have about you and want to know, and and that's why you've been on so many podcasts. Mm. I know? guess so. And how many podcasts would you say you've you've been a guest on? Hundreds. Hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds. And what's been some Maybe of the biggest standouts besides mine? Because um, I know that would be at the top of the list. Well, I mean, we said I love you at the end of ours. We did. Our, mm -hmm. I was your first guest for this on the Amy Edwards show. show. Mm -hmm. And that was really special because I think we were starting to fall in love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I already had a major crush. Yeah. So. Well, so did I. That's mm -hmm. why I had to ask you out right after. I, was like, <laughs> I know this isn't the most professional <laughs> thing. But can I take you out? And luckily, you had already cleared your schedule, hoping I would ask you out. I sure did. I had a little premonition. I thought, I should just clear my afternoon. Yeah, I'm glad so, you did. Me too. Because we're here now. Mm-hmm. Other podcasts that stand out. Man, I had one with Ed Milet, and it really stands out to me because I love him as a human being. And we went deep. And he asked great questions. And one of my best friends, Jace Jackson, um, who you know, and Doug Jackson, his uncle and his grandfather, James Jackson, they started Project Cure, which inspired me to start Fight for the Forgotten. And they loved me at a time where I didn't feel very lovable. And for me to go on that show and a guy named Jeremy, who's a great dude, but he had a maybe a tough upbringing, maybe not even that, but he acted out as a bully. And anyways, Jay sent me this screenshot from Instagram or Facebook, and it was from this guy named Jeremy. And he said, hey, I don't know if you've ever heard of the MMA fighter Justin Wren, but I listened to this podcast with Ed Milet, and they talked about bullying. And I flashback to how I bullied you. And if anyone ever treated my two sons the way I treated you, Jace, I would be heartbroken. I would be angry and I would do anything I could to stop it. And Jace sent that to me and goes, how wild is this? Your story has now come full circle. Jace is a guy that I absolutely love. He's one of my best friends and um, he's had so much impact in my life. And we connected over how we grew up being the heavyset kids that would be bullied. And um, I mean, I think it was Jeremy, but Jace remembers a time where his nipples were twisted so hard 
at a church camp or youth group or something like church that. Church camp. Yeah, where it, it he was bleeding through his shirt um, on both sides. And so Jace became a badass wrestler and uh, All-American or maybe on the national championship team for the University of Denver uh, rugby team. And because of him and his family, like they've impacted Fight for the Forgotten so much. So anyways, what was really neat about that podcast was Jace and Jeremy decided to get together and they hadn't seen each other in more than a decade. Well, I got to fly up for that. And I got to be there when they met again and we went on a hike in Evergreen, Colorado. We went up some mountains and we just spent time together and there were tearful moments. There was a redemption story. And I would say complete full reconciliation where those guys were embracing each other, hugging each other. And I just got to be a witness to it. And it was because Ed on his podcast provided an environment where I could be fully vulnerable and talk about because of bullying, uh, I've attempted suicide and I'm a two time suicide survivor. And anyways, those kind of moments that come from podcast is pretty powerful. Um, when people have really real conversations, other ones with Joe Rogan, I've shared about it with Chris's of story. So, yeah. And but I mean, that's like a true testament to the power of podcasts. Yeah. Podcasts yeah. can change the world. It can change people's perception and perspective on life and can encourage them to live their life to the fullest and to make the needed changes. And so that's why I started Overcome. That's why I was on your show. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's funny about podcast is that Joe has encouraged me to start a podcast for basically a decade. And then I came on your show and we started dating and I moved in and we fell in love. Well, I fell in love before I moved in. <laughs> yeah, and I guess so. I think so. It was all simultaneous. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and then you were like you need to start your own show. And I think seeing you do it, seeing your passion for it, how excited you were to be a host and share people's stories. I'd shared my story so much that I I would love to share other people's stories. Well, it's probably a little intimidating too, because when, you know, it's Joe Rogan still, that's very encouraging. And don't get me wrong, I really love Joe. But also, it's also a little discouraging because you know you're not going to start out <clears throat> that's Joe Rogan, yeah. right? You know, you're like, In and seeing me is probably more accessible. You know, you're like, okay, here's how this operates in, you know, a starting out mode. And it was my first episode of this this iteration of podcast that I have. So, you know, it just seems like something maybe more, okay, this I can handle and I don't have to go be the top podcast in the world right, right yet, you know? Yeah. 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 But uh, seeing your drive and your passion and oh, how how much uh, purpose it, it brought into your life and even my life. And I mean, it was fun helping you get guests and uh, other things like that. I was You're like, well, I can. You're still doing it too. Yeah, Thank well, you. <laughs> of course. I believe in you. Yeah. I love you. Thank you. Okay, well, let's get started on our okay. Q&A, even though we kind of already have. So, um, and also this is a several part episode. So definitely two parts. And if people don't have their question answered in these, let's just go ahead and say, write it in, send yeah. it to us. You can always reach out to us and maybe even, you know, sprinkled over other episodes, we'll be able to answer some other questions, right? Yeah. Like, and we could do, uh, they, people could send their questions to overcome podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. They can send it to me on Instagram at, uh, at the big pygmy, or they could send it to the podcast account, which is overcome with Justin Wren. Yes. And even... we definitely, that one is good for like DMing, even if we're not following, cause we'll still, we'll all check that. Yeah. 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 So awesome. Okay. We're going to get to one of the most important questions just first out of the gate. Okay. What's your hair routine? <laughs> that's, <laughs> because you wow, know, that's, that's a one of the most question. important questions. Yes. <laughs> It's not much. Um, well, I do have, I have a lady and uh, a, a wonderful woman that, that, that I go to. She bleaches it. Um, <laughs> and it takes a lot of work. Oh, it's a lot of money. Stop right now. It's a lot of time commitment. Uh, no, but I use a shampoo. I call it Thoriel. Uh, <laughs> uh, like L'Oreal, but, but for guys that look like Thor. 
And no, it used to be just a bar of soap. That should exist. It should exist. Mm-hmm. A fan made that and uh, put Chris Hemsworth <laughs> and me and then Thoriel and me doing a hair flip. It was funny. And no, but I guess it's just basically, I used to use just a bar of soap and towel dry it. And then I upgraded to shampoo and I When we moved in it. together, you were using a bar of soap. Yeah. And wow, was that like, I was like, my mind was blown. <laughs> I was like, that's what you do, but you don't do anything to it. You don't do any color or heat no, or anything. I so. barely brush it. Yeah. You, and you don't even have to brush You've it. You've brushed my hair more than I've brushed my <laughs> hair. <laughs> well, you brushed it yesterday and it looked really fluffy. So yeah. I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's yeah. not brushed today. Today's, what, some head and shoulders maybe. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I think head and shoulders. Yep. All right. So, um, no, let's get into something a little bit deeper. Okay. Uh, someone asked, I heard you had a speech therapist growing up, and how did you overcome your fear of public speaking? Wow. That's a good question because I did. I had intensive speech therapy from kindergarten to second grade, but I continued it, I believe, through sixth grade. And I couldn't say certain words. I had a stutter. Sometimes it will come back out. When I had malaria, mm-hmm. it came back out instantly. What words could you not say? Like fish. What did it sound like? Fush. Aww. No matter how hard I tried, it'd be fush. Fush. And I would like move my lips in and it would just be fush instead of fish. So uh, I got teased some for that and I became pretty quiet. Uh, it might be one of the reasons I'm uh, why we have to turn my mic up because I'm I'm pretty soft spoken, but I think uh, I think there's always been a fear, and it's funny because people say that at least in America the number one fear is public speaking, like even above death, and it's like what is that real? Mm-hmm. But I can say that if I compare the two, yeah, I'm more scared to to get on stage. My hands shake, armpits sweat. Um, still. Still, yeah, absolutely. And then I just have to let it go. I I am more nervous to speak in front of, say, 500 people than I am to go get in a fist fight with somebody in front of tens of thousands or millions uh, viewing. I'm confident in my ability to fight because I love it and I'm trained for it. But I do love public speaking now. But I said no the first eight, no, nine, maybe 10 times, at least nine times I said no. Why don't you tell that story? Okay. I mean, Uh, it's so good. Okay. Yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever shared it. I don't think you have either. And when you told me, I was just like, what? Yeah. There was, I had a agent for fighting, right? A manager. And he called me and said, this was the ninth time I turned it down. I was at the airport. I think I was in Denver. And I was about to get on a plane and he called to say that the Air Force Academy wanted me to speak and give like the commencement speech at their graduation or something like that. And I was like, what? Why me? (laughs) Why me? I've never talked in front of anybody. And I think it was because I was on the Ultimate Fighter. I had lived in Colorado. I had trained at the Olympic Training Center, stuff like that. And had you been on Ultimate Fighter at this point? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'd been on the Ultimate Fighter. I think I'd been on Rogan's. Sorry, did you say that and I missed it? Yeah. No, but I think I'd already been on Rogan's once. So that's probably where they heard about me. And I said, no. And he said, Justin, you haven't been fighting. I had strategically taken a year off from fighting and said, until my life is right, until I can win this fight called life. I'm not going to go back into MMA because win or lose, I had an excuse to use for me. And I hadn't let that story be known publicly. But I left on a winning streak and I would get fight offer after fight offer after fight offer. And I would turn them down because I said, it's not a year yet. And so I was struggling financially. Fighters don't, uh, I mean, paycheck for paycheck is different for us because we only get two or three paychecks a year. Yeah. And I told... Greg, I go, I'm a, I'm a fighter, not a speaker. I don't have the ability to do that. And he's like, man, they're going to pay you. This is rent. This is groceries. Like, what are you doing? 
And I go, I don't know. I just, I, I, I can't speak. I just can't do it. And so I said, no, got off the phone and I decided to call a friend because, uh, at this time in my life, I'd been like introduced to spirituality and just God at work or the universe lining things up. And I called a friend that had just been an encouragement to me. And I said, Hey man, I, I keep getting these opportunities to speak. And in, in that like week or two, I'd gotten like three or four of those opportunities. It was weird. <laughs> like it was weird. It's in like two it's weeks, right three or four. Here. It's mm-hmm. right here. It's right in front of you. <laughs> and he goes, we'll do it. And I go, no. And he said, well, have you prayed about it? And I'm like, dude, I, at this Why time in my life. you just asking me today, am I stubborn? Am I stubborn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's being stubborn, but I said, man, I don't really, I don't really do that. I don't really pray. Uh, not much. And you just uh, said, oh, he said, pray about it. And you said, yeah, I don't really pray. Yeah. And he said, well, you're going to. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not. And he said, yeah, you are. And, uh, and he said, why aren't you doing it? I said, because I, I don't have the ability. He goes, is it that you don't have the ability or is it that you don't have the availability to do it? And I was like, huh. He goes, you're not making yourself available to these opportunities. You need to say a prayer. Just, just ask the universe to like show you if you're supposed to or not. And I said, maybe I'll do it when I get home. I'm boarding a plane. <laughs> and he said, no, pray about it now. And I said, that's weird, man. I'm about to walk down the jetway or whatever. You know, I was, I was running late and I said, I'll do it on the plane. He goes, no, do it right now. And I said, okay, but I had no plan to, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> so I say this prayer or actually I don't, uh, you hang up the phone. I, I hang up the phone mm-hmm. and I get a text message and it was in all caps, pray about it right now, exclamation point. <laughs> Guy knew I was stubborn. So I go, whatever. And I just go, okay, God, if I'm supposed to do this universe, like slap me upside the head with it, make it to where I can't deny it and I'll do it. (laughs) Okay. Amen. I have my eyes open. I'm carrying my bags down the jetway. I'm like, whatever. Okay. I did it. Didn't even text him back that I did it. (laughs) And so I sit down and I'm wearing like a fighting shirt. I think it was from my fight team. And this guy sits down next to me. He's old, white hair, white goatee. And he strikes up a conversation with me, sees my shirt, asks about fighting. Uh, I think someone had mentioned something because it was not too long after the Ultimate Fighter and someone had said something on the plane. Anyways, we, we start talking about fighting. And he starts like kind of pulling out some of my story. I start telling him how I got bullied, start telling him some other things. Like, why'd you find fighting? Well, I didn't want to get bullied anymore. Um, cool. Have you ever shared that story with anyone? I'm like, no, not really. And he's like, well, you should. And then he's asked me about fighting and <laughs> Olympic gold medalists over my coach. Have you ever told anyone that story? I'm like, no. He goes, well, you should. And um, then by the end of it, he goes, he goes, I really think you should start sharing your story. And I go, well, that's weird, man. Why? And he goes, he goes, I, I, I have a speaking engagement for you. It's next week. And I go, what, (laughs) who are you? And, uh, and he starts telling me that he trains speakers from all around the world that he has spoken to more prisoners on planet than any human being ever. Well over 2 million. I think by the time he died, it was over 3 million. This guy that sat beside me was named Jack Murphy. Murph the surf is what they called him. They made a movie about his life, about the surfers that pull off this big jewelry heist. I forget what it's called, but he had played at the Grand Ole Opry uh, violin, but what's, what do they call it? The fiddle. Yeah. And he pulled off the largest jewelry heist in American history, stealing the Star of India at the J.P. Morgan collection in New York, in Manhattan. He pulled oh, off hey, that. Hey. Yeah. He was a jewel jewel heist thief. Like, I'm like, what? And then he was sent to prison, um, because he was running cocaine from like Cuba to Miami and Columbia to Miami stuff like that. And in the, in the commotion of this one heist or smuggle, um, some people got killed. And so he was put in prison and wasn't supposed to get out till 2,244. 
Easy number to remember. He was serving like three or three life sentences or something crazy like that. And I'm like, whoa, what is this dude doing next to me on a plane? And he said that he was in jail for a couple of years. Suddenly Roger Staubach came and shared his story. And then he had this big life change and started helping prisoners and all this stuff. Anyways, he was released from prison. And a year later, he started going back in and sharing his story. But he had spoken at some of the craziest places, Siberia, like Russia. I mean, every every country, like over 100 countries, I think this dude spoke in. And I'm like, wow. He goes, so you're speaking with me next week. And I go, no, I'm not. And he says, why? And I said, because I'm a fighter, man. I'm not a speaker. I don't have the ability to do that. And he just looked at me and goes, what do you mean? He goes, anybody can share their story. Everybody's got a story to share. Like there's power in your story and you need to share it with people. And I was like, oh, okay, well maybe you can train me some and, and maybe in a year or so after training, you don't just get into fighting and jump into a cage fight. I said, maybe after a year, he goes, no, you're coming next week. He goes, what's your number? I said, wait, 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 I don't have the ability to do that. And he starts trying to get my number, says his assistant's going to book my flight. And then I was going to be speaking in, um, I think it was called Henry Wade, uh, but now it's called Lone Star in Dallas, Fort Worth. It's a juvenile detention center. He goes, have you ever been to Dallas? I'm like I grew, <laughs> I grew up there. I, uh, I graduated high school in Dallas. He goes, good. You can come see your parents. You can come see your family. Uh, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just not going to do it, man. Maybe the next time, next opportunity, something like that. And he just looked at me stone cold and goes, I got to ask you a question. I said, what? He goes, have you ever prayed about this? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And, uh, I pull out my phone and I show him the text message from my friend and it says, pray about it right now, exclamation point. And he goes, did you? And uh, I told him how I turned down eight or nine speaking engagements. How I just turned one down with the Air Force <laughs> Academy. And he said, what did you pray? And I said, God, if I'm supposed to do this, like slap me upside the head with it. Jack in his seventies reaches his hand over and literally pops me in the back <laughs> of the head. Just gives me like a little slap and pops my head. He goes, there's your answer. You're doing it. He goes, I just slapped you upside the head. God's showing you, like, you're supposed to share your story. I was like, does stuff like this happen? Well, I just have to take a moment real quick and thank the sponsors of this show on it. On it.com slash overcome. You can save yourself 10% on Alpha Brain or New Mood or Total Human. Some of my absolute favorites. And I'm just so grateful for their support. This show wouldn't exist without them. So thank you so much on it for sponsoring the show. And also thank you for helping me get optimized. Total human optimization. I also coined something maybe cheesy, but I think it's kind of cute. It's total humanitarian optimization. Oh, they help me when I'm going into a long meeting for development work, community development. And I just love the way that I feel getting into that flow state faster, feeling like I stay there longer and have had so many friends try it and absolutely love it. If you haven't tried it, you can try it for free. There's an Alpha Brain free trial. I think you get 15 days of free Alpha Brain. So please, what's the risk? Put it to the test. I would love to hear your feedback on it. Try it, the world-class nootropic that uh, really helps increase clarity, your memory, and I think it helps me engage in conversation and just feel like I'm firing on all cylinders so much better. So on it.com slash overcome, you can try it for free, Alpha Brain for free, and uh, you can save yourself 10% on all Onnit products at overcome or onnit.com slash every time. Overcome every time. Onnit.com slash overcome. And at checkout, don't forget to type in overcome. Yep. Thank you so much. And uh, anyways, I, I can just remember, I got to speak in front of 300 uh, kids in juvenile detention. There was a kid as young as like eight or nine years old in there. That story made me cry, by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's really well, it's really good. Jack was an incredible human being. Yeah. Um, I miss him. Uh, he took me in over a hundred different prisons around the country, from San Quentin to Folsom to death row here in Texas to uh, 
Corcoran State were. Um, How many years did you work with him? At least three, maybe four, but it was like a lot. Wow. It was a lot. It was uh, every other weekend at least going to another state to some more prisons, juvenile detention centers, all women's units. And seen some crazy stuff, um, but also seen some really cool stuff um, where people have people behind bars saying that they feel more free than they ever were outside of bars because they found like education or they found a community or they found like an opportunity for vocation and, and, uh, or addicts who I didn't know would, I'd be able to look back and reflect and be like, whoa, like they had a safe place to be sober and they were looking forward to, they found a program of recovery behind bars. So they're not enslaved to their disease anymore. And now they're planning on continuing that outside and they had relationships restored with, with children and families. And so anyways, it's cool to come in and encourage them. I was literally on the same, uh, unit as Charles Manson before he passed and I could, he was sick and as I could, I was like three doors down from him and I was with uh, a person that helped start the, the Los Angeles Crips, the gang had a deep moment with him, had another guy was supposed to fight that he had ended up killing a few people. Um, never even had a speeding ticket. Wow. Never had a speeding ticket. was like the captain of his wrestling team was like a model student was all that different stuff. I was supposed to fight him. I never knew why uh, the fight never came to fruition. He was undefeated when I was supposed to fight him. And I didn't know the story Didn't make it big in MMA news, but he had, he had killed somebody or a few people. And I'm walked down this, I'd share my story in Oklahoma and it was at this jail and he was awaiting being put in for life in prison. And, uh, the warden came up to me and said, Hey, after hearing your story, there's one guy you've got to share your story with. And I'm like, really? He goes, we don't let anybody see him and you can see him. We need you to see him. And I was like, okay okay, who is it? And he tells me he's killed some people. I'm like, whoa. And they walk me down this hallway and there's this, it's kind of a dark hallway, but anyways, we're walking down and I see half of one guard, a guard standing outside of it. The door's open and there's another like shoulder of a guard. There's three guards in there. Warden walks me and I turn around and I look at him and it didn't really hit me right at first. And the guy goes, Justin Wren, the guy that is sitting there with handcuffs behind his back hand, hand uh, ankle, ankle Lecter cuffs. Style, like, yeah. Handcuff yeah. behind his back and he's got straps around his, sho- his shoulders and arms crap. and straps around his leg nice. and he's sitting there and he, he literally, um, anyways, I just sat down on the floor with him and he was on the bed. I was on the floor in front of him looking at him. We had a conversation for like an hour or two. He shared what happened. I'll respect his story or whatever, but, um, he had these journals and I'm telling you, they were at least two and a half, three foot off the ground. And there was two or three stacks of them. I mean, there were so many composite journals that he just wrote his regret, his remorse, asking for forgiveness, all sorts of stuff. Um, and he shared how we were supposed to fight all this stuff. And then by the end of it, he was, you know, I shared some of my story, told him, you know, Hey, you got this life to live, like try to, make the most of it and tried to say, I mean, some encouraging stuff I think came hopefully. And he started crying and he couldn't even wipe his tears. So he was, he was oh. leaning his, his head down to his knees and he was using his knees to wipe his tears. And the warden let me sit beside him, put my arm around him. Um, just try to give him a hug, love on him a little bit. And, uh, Told him, man, look, the you know we weren't supposed to fight in a cage. Like we're supposed to like meet now, and uh, so it's it's hard because sometimes you meet people they just made some wrong decisions and choices, um, and they got caught. And I I didn't when it comes to, like drugs and things like that. Um, but then there's some people that have made some really big mistakes, and it's like, what do you what do you do? How do you tell them to to live with that? You know. So, but I think. Uh, he, he was, he was saying, you know, I'm here, I'm supposed to be here. Like I've got, I've got a debt to pay. 
And it was like, whoa, just heavy, heavy. But I really enjoyed that. Uh, I was even thinking, it's funny you asked that story just now, because this morning I was thinking I should probably do that again this year, like get into a juvenile detention center and hopefully you have more of an opportunity to share whenever they're young to like help them make different decisions when they get out. But um, I think I think doing stuff like that, it, it has a lot of purpose and meaning. Some people are called to it. Some people are really called to it, to go in there. Um, I know a, a friend named Jorge, and he's all about prison reform. And he calls himself a, a prison abolitionist, where he thinks, you know, for most most things, like uh, putting a human being in a cage doesn't, doesn't um, rehabilitate them. You know, there's some special people that are called to that, that line of work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, good answer. <laughs> mm. I'm glad you told that story because hey, I think it's so amazing. Cool. Well, I'm glad someone asked that question. Yeah. Well, I tacked on one, but that's my, <laughs> that's my right as the interviewer. Um, okay. Let's keep going. This one's from Instagram. What does overcome mean to you? You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. And for me, it's a call. It's a call to rise up and overcome. Whatever it is, life's greatest challenge for you at that time, whether it be big or small, rise up, overcome. Don't, don't quit. Don't wave the white flag. Don't surrender. Don't give up unless it's something you need to give up and surrender. Mm -hmm. Which for me overcome is substance. Holding on too tight. Yeah. And for me, I think we all have it in us as overcomers, but, but some don't believe it. And so they don't choose to do it and we'll just be limited. And listen, I've had more ups and downs than I'd like to admit. And, uh, but there's something that whenever I get to the lowest point and I'm trying to turn that around where I don't have to get to the lowest point to overcome. I can decide to, to head it off, cut it off early or sooner. But I've seen others in some of the world's, I would say, worst circumstances, some of the most bullied people on the planet overcome literal slavery or waterborne disease or incredible disease like malaria or poverty or hunger or food insecurity. And there's something at the core of every human being that can overcome whatever it is in front of you. Whatever it is. I mean, Bernard was telling me a story last night, uh, mm -hmm. our last guest, and he was telling me that um, there were these refugees that came from Haiti and they had to go down to Brazil and then over to Chile and then up all South America, up Mexico, just to be able to make it um, into the United States. And he's talking about some of those asylum seekers that. Uh, have the right to be here. Um, he's like, man, they have more courage to go on that journey. I mean, what did they overcome? Parents with children having no place to call home, C crossing so many different country lines. Life you know? gets a lot simpler at that moment, I think. Yeah. You know, I imagine. Eat, drink, I mean, hydrate, sleep. Yeah. Be with each other, make sure no one no one gets hurt along mm -hmm. the way. Yep. Just getting by to survive so that they could get here and hopefully thrive. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's shift gears for a second. Who are your MMA coaches? I think they mean right now. And how, what's the importance of having good coaches in your life? Yeah. I would say let's, let's tackle the first one. And how, yeah. I think how have or, sorry, your past the, ones impacted you too. Like, yeah. Who are your coaches now? Have your past ones yeah. impacted And when you? I said first one, I meant last one, because what's the importance of coaches? Ah, okay. Let's start there. Because we, I think, I think you have to be coachable to utilize great coaches. Because if you don't have like a learner's cap on. Yeah, you could have the best coach. Yeah, you then... have the best coach in the world, but you could be the worst athlete because <laughs> you decide to do what you want to do mm -hmm. and not take the gifts and the skills that they're trying to impart into you. 
And so being almost an open vessel for them to give you those things and like asking questions, asking more, how'd you do it that way? How would you do it if, if you were in this situation, um, and being coachable, I was incredibly fortunate to have two Olympic gold medalists as my high school coaches. And it made Have you ever had a crappy coach? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I've had some crappy (laughs) coaches, but they don't last long Okay. because I, I kind of know now it's almost the difference between have you ever held a Rolex and a Folex? Sure. So my dad, I think had a Rolex growing up because it was heavy and, yeah, they're and heavy. it didn't tick. It like had the smooth kind of whatever. And when he lost that or was stolen or broken, whatever, uh, he got a Folex. We went to like, uh, the Chinatown part of, of Dallas and, um, we loved that place and going and eating hot pot and all sorts of stuff. And he got this Folex that whenever he'd wash his hands, it would turn his wrist green or whenever I held it, I just knew it wasn't the weight, the same weight, you know? And I think from when you know the real deal, you can just feel the, when you, when you know the authentic, you can, you can sniff out or feel the counterfeit. You can see that it's tick is off, that, that it's weight isn't the same, that it's not going to last, that it isn't valuable. And so I try to take that into thinking about my coaches and like, is what they're giving me valuable? And, and anybody can teach you anything. It, sometimes the person you can learn from the most, I'm learning this in recovery, is the person that's new to it, that's like fired up and they might just mic drop something that's like, whoa, I never thought of it that way because it's a new, fresh perspective. So I'm not saying like cast out someone, but I think it's always like get what you can and give everything you can and then be open to sourcing out new information that's going to benefit you even more. So yeah, I didn't develop bad habits uh, early on because I had some of the best coaches um, when it came to wrestling. And so um, I've tried to take that into the nonprofit world having great mentors like Bernard and Doug Jackson that we're going to have on the show and hopefully his father and, uh, and Jim Stewart. Like, I mean, these people that for me are best in class at what they do. And I want to surround myself with those kind of people. So when it comes to MMA, I mean, I've had Trevor Whitman, who's had numerous world champions, Rafael Lovato Jr. Who's a world champion himself. And I believe he's going to train a lot of world champions. Um, but I've had Olympic gold medalists in wrestling, world champions in jujitsu, uh, world champion boxing coaches. Um, I mean, guys that do strength and conditioning and have trained world champions in the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, uh, all, all sports basically. And I think it's really important to whatever you're doing in life. And I know that I, that's an honor and a privilege and it's a pleasure for me to be able to surround myself with people like that. But I think a little tip is I've tried to hone a skill or craft to to attract people like that or be attractive to them by asking good questions and by being interested. Because what I learned early on was I was the new guy on the wrestling mats. And there was kids that wrestled from the earliest age. And so these guys had much less time with me than they had these other kids on the mats. But the more that I asked questions, the more they gravitated towards me because that's what they got into coaching for was to give this information away. And I'm thinking of one kid, I won't use his name, but he had all the opportunities in the world and had been coached by these guys all the time, but he had a bad attitude and he was very hard to coach. He was uncoachable and he just wanted to do it all on his own. And so there'd be these matches that he should have won that he wouldn't because he wouldn't listen to his coaches that are yelling to him the winning game plan. And so for me, it's like, man, listen, listen to those that have come before you that have some information that you, they've done it. They've done it. Why would I not listen to them? Yeah. Yeah. And who's coaching you right now? So I'm at on it for 
jujitsu. I'm sorry for uh, strength conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been going to 10th planet for jujitsu. I've been training a little bit with Tim Kennedy, uh, at Roca. I'm going to start training, um, either at the B team or, uh, Roca with, uh, the Donaher death squad. None of that's official, but mm-hmm. they're all here and I'm kind of, uh, courting or, or checking them out and seeing which ones I'm going to be training with. But Shanji Habero is somebody that's been coaching me for a while now. He's in Cedar Park in jiu-jitsu and he's got like 14 world championships to his belt or his name. And uh, I love that man. He's incredible. Victor Hugo's here. He's been a training partner for me in the past. So about to get training, I'm recovering from an injury and uh, I've got the best coaching available to me. Striking is black sheep boxing. And, uh, I love that place. Brigham's going up there a lot. One of the guests of the show, he's eating it up. And, uh, uh, Jeff Meadows is a great coach and, uh, he's been a sponsor of mine in recovery. He's a good friend of mine and they just have a really, really cool culture up there. Um, they, they're incredible. 40% or so of their members are in recovery. So it's one of the gyms I've been most excited about joining in my entire life. That's awesome. I yeah. love it there too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you've come. I've got I the have. whole mitts for you I before. Have. Mm-hmm. I have my boxing shoes and my cute, you know, gloves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Are they pink or are they gray? I forget. Um, well, I forget too. I haven't practiced <laughs> in a while. <laughs> Fightfortheforgotten.org. You can go check out Fight for the Forgotten, the foundation that I started. It is my passion project. It is something that I love so much because of the people we get to help. We get to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves. We say opportunity is greater than charity. Charity can be great, but opportunity is just always better. That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water. We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name. We built 32 homes and now We're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're going to have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month, and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic, putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org. Join our fight club. Okay, so um, let's keep going, okay? What, this is shifting gears again. We're just going to kind of skip around because I like that. Sure. I like mixing it up a little bit. Let's do it. What, I like this question. What has been... What is the best moment of your recovery so far and why? Mm. That's hard because a lot of the moments were really, really hard, but I needed them because they became really good. Mm, That's good right there. So Mm. it changes how you define best, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say the best moment, I might've shared a little bit on the show before, but if, uh, at the risk of repeating myself would be when I went to treatment, which was really hard the second time. Yeah. I mean like really, really me hard. saying you're going to have to go to treatment again. Yep. Would you qualify that as the best moment? <laughs> I mean, that no. was like a horrible hard moment for you. It was a horrible hard you moment, said no. but I said no at first. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I have to, and it's not, I don't have to because you're telling me to, I have to, because I have to. And you recognize that. But I think there, the best moment was honestly the community, the guys. I felt like I was in such a special place. It was so different than the place I went to the first where nobody wanted to be there. These guys, I mean, you don't really want to be there, but once they were there, they're like all in. And so having guys- they chose it. Yeah. They chose to be there and they were going to get the most out of it. Even if they didn't want to be there, they are there. So they better make the most of it. Yeah. And I had this moment, which was therapy, and it's very similar to EMDR, but it's called ART, Accelerated Resolution Trauma Therapy. And 
that moment for me, I wanted it earlier and I wanted it earlier. And it was almost like I was trying to force my hand. Like you guys say this is for PTSD. I've got PTSD. Please help me. Like here's a book that I brought from my doctor and my story's in there that says PTSD, like how to tame your hidden dragons. And mine was the wounded dragon. I'm like, you'll say this is here. And we did a couple of other things first, which was exactly how it was supposed to happen. And then when we finally sat down to do it, I extended my stay two weeks so that I could do this therapy. I don't know if it was kind of a thing of like, does he really want it? He says he wants it, but he'll have to stay longer. So I stayed longer. And, uh, and it was just the biggest breakthrough moment I've ever had in therapy. I was able to heal all sorts of old wounds, repressed memories came up that are probably contributing factors, um, to my addiction. And I think you and I even went back through it, but they said I was either a seven out of a 10 or eight out of a 10 for the ACE scores. Adverse childhood experience. Mm -hmm. Yep. ACEs is the adverse childhood experience survey. Anybody can go check that out on Google and you could go look through it. But if you have four or more, you're like 15 times more likely to attempt suicide in your life. Mm -hmm. If you, I don't know, I think if you have four or five, like you're like 600% more at risk of becoming an addict or alcoholic. And so having some of these childhood traumas addressed and to have resolution around them where I'm able to visualize and see, um, see it, but not necessarily and, and feel the pain of the memory, but be able to work through it and have like a a resolution that, that for me, I would suggest that to anybody try EMDR, try, try ART. I want to yeah. I want to do EMDR. I, yeah. do EMDR. And then I would say, do one or two of those, mm -hmm. then go try art. Cause it's different, mm -hmm. same principles, but I think they call it accelerated resolution because there's been a couple of times I left EMDR feeling more raw than when I came in. And it felt resolved in the ART. ART felt resolved. Cool. I well, I would to, say, that was a good answer for best moment of recovery for you. Cool. It seems like a standout. For yeah, sure. it's a standout. And then the other mm -hmm. one would be. Oh, and if people want the full story of that, I do believe we did it on my podcast. Okay. On the Amy Edwards show. I, either that or on when the you talked about recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those. And then the other part would be my friend. I'm not sure. I, in a 12 step program, you get things like sponsors and there's different steps and uh, I'm supposed to do more of it tomorrow. And to have a guy that's so all in, so committed, that's helped over a thousand people talking about best coaches, right? Like you go to someone that has experience and um, he's helped do a thousand people's aftercare programs after they get out of treatment. And for him to be willing to not just do that as a vocation, but to come to give that gift that he's been given to me numerous times. I mean, lots of times, like probably eight different times at two, three, four hours each, just for one of the steps to get through it. And most people don't have that much work on it to do. Mm -hmm. But like I, they told me there, I've lived a lot of life for the age that I am. And so with that comes so many good experiences, but also bad experiences. And so to, to work through those and see how I've shown up, how I've shown, fallen short, how I've hurt people, have hurt myself, and basically just uh, really acknowledging it. Basically that principle of face it all, feel it all, magic mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, this one, we've got time for probably a couple more. Okay. Um, this one kind yeah. of combines two, or I'm going to combine these two questions. Because one was, how do you view masculinity? Hmm. And the other one is, how do you hold space for other men? And... I think that's interesting. I'm curious how you respond about, I'll kind of like morph that into something else, but how you respond about, you know, friendships with other men and how you've seen that develop in your own life and how you view masculinity. Because, you know, as a fighter, it's so traditionally masculine. Yeah, I was, I was basically taught, um, I would say through family and growing up in a country town, <clears throat> right. excuse me, don't cry, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, be a man, like, suck it up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, be a man. So 
I would say I've started to really unravel and peel back the onion layers of that's not masculinity. Um, like the times that I'm most vulnerable, <clears throat> I used to think were the weakest I had been, but now I think it's, it's maybe one of the most manly things I can do or human things that I can do. Open up, share, share my worst moments, share my best moments, share just life, my lived experience with people. And that through that, I think it's, I don't know, what is masculinity? I mean, I think it is being tough and being able to fight, but I think it's also being soft and being able to love. And you can't just have one and not the other. Like, I mean, you can, and there's nothing wrong with it unless it's unhealthy. Like if you're overly tough and macho, like, and you have no empathy for people, that's dangerous. And that sucks to live that kind of life. And, uh, and if you're maybe on the other side, overly sensitive and soft to where you can't stand up for things whenever injustice is happening, like, like, I think that that can be detrimental to that human being who doesn't feel the strength or the hope to bring that into a situation. So, I mean, for me, it's balance. It's being well-balanced. And I have people tell me that like, I'm a, a what is it called? A paradox or a, 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 the two things, what's that called? Dichotomy. Dichotomy. There you go. Where it's like, I'm a fighter <laughs> and I'm a lover or I'm <laughs> a, I can get in a cage and fight, but I can like, go, I don't know, love on kids at a children's hospital or something. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like, well, why is that weird? That shouldn't be weird. Mm -mm. Um, we are all, all the things. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, okay. Let's flip this around a little bit too. How do you embrace your feminine side? Uh, oh, I have my long hair. <laughs> Not all women have long hair. Well, Yes, I know. Um, I was just trying to make a joke. I know. You do have long hair and you wear roller skates. <laughs> I wear roller skates yeah. and leopard print sometimes. Uh, you seem very secure in who you are. Yeah. I mean, I think that embracing my feminine side, is it feminine to like hug people and stuff? It's I think not necessarily feminine. getting in touch with your senses and like that sensory awareness yeah is a feminine attributed more of a feminine aspect, you know, well, I think sensuality, I think, sensuality. I think mm -hmm. compassion mm -hmm. for me, it goes towards compassion. I mean, both have compassion. Um, but I think being able to like hear somebody and sometimes I'm moved to tears hearing someone's story and letting that out. Right. Yeah. And like letting them see me. And then yeah. I fight, fight it sometimes where I'm trying to fight back tears. Don't let them see me cry. Mm -hmm. But I think that the moments I allow myself to feel that, it deepens the human connection between me and that person. And so I don't want to miss those moments anymore. Um, I spent well over a decade missing those moments. So why, why, uh, why cut myself off from those? And so I, I think also feminine could be nurturing and... For yeah, me, very much so. For me, I think, you know, I was on this trip with someone and not that I was nurturing, I was just there for him. Like when it goes to holding space for men, um, or creating space for men, whatever that, that question was. And it was, yeah, it was holding space for men, yeah. for other men. Mm -hmm. You know, I, through my story and not drinking or using on this motorcycle trip at all, um, which I mean, they handled it very well. But um, it opened up a conversation with someone that I was able to walk down in Key West and they were able to share with me about one of their family members that had really been struggling, that they're losing or have lost their relationship with that person. And everybody else was, you know, either headed to bed or headed out. And him and I were like, let's go on a walk and talk about this, you know, and just be able to be there and listen and say, hey, man, you ever have an opportunity to speak into that person's life and you want to have a phone call before, call me. Um, if you ever want resources of 
how they can get help, but also how you can get help because there's help for families that struggle with someone in addiction. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a lot of sense a lot of times. And so let me point you in the right directions of, of resources and things you can go to. And so I think that maybe is a like little that. more on the feminine end. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's really nice too. It's about, you know, some openness and allowing like someone to be open towards you, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. Let's do one more. Sure. And, um, and then we'll be back for another part of this very Great. soon because we have a lot of questions. So the last one I'm going to ask you today is what is a day in Justin's, somebody wrote sandals, because I guess they don't think <laughs> he wears shoes. <laughs> what is a day in Justin's sandals like, LOL, from wake up to go to bed? That's a, that's a good question. I know who sent that. It was Edgar. And Edgar I met. In, oh, yeah? Uh, I met him in San Diego when I was speaking. These these big boxing gloves behind us, if you're watching on YouTube, um, <laughs> they came from an event in San Diego. And there's a lot of encouragement written on these gloves for for me and Fight for the Forgotten. And I cherish them. But Edgar, I met, we we went out after with some of the event organizers and I met Edgar at the bar. Um, and I was like 60 days sober or something like that. And uh, maybe it was 90. And I met him at the bar. He came up and talked to me. He'd seen me on some podcast and watched me fight. And he was really encouraging. And then he told me that he had a, 11 years sober. And I was like, whoa, that's incredible. So him and I went out and did like a recovery style meeting on the beach in La is it called La Jolla? Mm-hmm. Not La Jolla. La, La, La Jolla. Jolla. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in La Jolla. And it was awesome. It was epic. And him and I had a really great conversation. And I remember him sending this in. Uh, anyways, really good dude. I was able to talk to him. There's been numerous times he's called me right at the right time. When I was back here in Austin, oh, I when I was in Miami, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, dude, come to Austin. I want to hang out with you. And I uh, hope he comes in my next my next fight, my comeback fight. So what does an average day look like? Well, it's different, and it's about to change up a lot because I'll be headed into fight camp. Um, but on a – can I just do on a perfect day? What does that look like if, I, if in an ideal week? Because every week's not ideal. No, it's not. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay, this morning I woke up at 6.30 and um, we got up. Well, we cuddled for a little bit. (laughs) We didn't get up immediately. (laughs) We didn't. We cuddled. Um, But then we were right into like a meditation. Mm -hmm. We got up. I made you tea. You made me tea. Usually that's a day. That's a part of your day. Yep. I'll have to pipe him for this answer then. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I make, I get up earlier. I make you tea and I wake you up and bring you tea. Yeah, it's very sweet. Matcha with layered superfood creamer and stuff. Yeah, we love Laird mm-hmm. and Gabby. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I got in the shower. We both took showers. Um, and then we came here to the studio. Mm-hmm. Had Bernard on. But we meditated, we had, uh, yeah. Yeah, we meditated, we meditated together. Which that I think that is a very important part of your day. Yes. I definitely notice it when I don't do it. I notice it when you don't do it too. I notice yeah. it when I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that it has me at a more grounded place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can come in to all my interactions throughout the day just with a clearer head or clearer heart space and um, not let things get to me. What was um, your meditation like today? Um, well, I sat there and I was just in gratitude. I was in gratitude for Bernard. And the incredible opportunity I have to be mentored by him and for him to be a partner in this project. And so that was really special for me to think about all the amazing things he's done in his life and how he believes that this project with Fight for the Forgotten can be an example to the world of of nonprofits and, and of how people can replicate it. I'm just like, whoa, coming from him who like knows his stuff, like we're really onto something. And it's going to be a five or 10 year initiative, but man, we're going to build a health center, a school, all that. So I was just tapping into that, like purpose, almost repurposing um, my commitment to this project and my passion. Mm-hmm. And so that's good. And then I like to move every day if I can. Uh, yesterday, I, I think it was yesterday, I went out on a long walk. It might have been the day before, but went out on a long walk and listened to an audiobook. book. Um, 
and I like it when I use my full focus planner. I'm not consistent with it like I should, but uh, when I set up my day and go through it and list my big three, my three most important things of the day, and then put right out my schedule there and have a spot for notes and I have a spot for a to-do list, and then I can review my 10 annual goals that I write down. That was one of the things I was going and walking. I was, I was, had set those up in January, but I was kind of repurposing them uh, two days ago when I was like, which one, what do I really want? And so I've kind of reorganized the it's list. It's good to review those and keep them alive. Yeah. I think you should do it mm-hmm. daily or weekly, at least, too. at least monthly. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the 10 things you want to get done this year? Yeah. How can you break those down into bite-sized bits of maybe like three a quarter? Um, and for some people, you don't need 10 goals in a year. You just might need three or four or five. Just chip away a little. Every chip day. away. But then you can put them in, in different kind of silos, which is what about my mental health goals? What about my physical mm-hmm. health goals? What about my financial health goals? What about my relationship health goals? Um, and what about my vocation mm-hmm. uh, health goals or what I'm going to do in my job? Uh, to kick the ball downfield to like, and if you're going to be there in a year, like really trying to break that down into maybe three month increments where it's like, you know, you got four stages where you're backing into that big year long goal. Where you're like, I need to be here in three months. I need to be there in three months. I need to be here in three months. And then just focus on those next three months. And maybe once a month you review the annual goal or once a week, you like to get there. I need to do this stuff now, this month, this next 90 days. And then what about the rest of your day? They said, till you go to bed. Yeah. Um, I try to connect with someone that is good for my soul during the day. That might be your executive director. That might be Brigham. That might be you. Um, might be someone in recovery. Might be someone from training. Um, but I, I try to reach out either via text or phone call once a day to just let someone know I'm thinking about them. I love them. Uh, I'm grateful for them. And not just that, but at least a reason why, you know? And I enjoy doing that. I guess on my weekly calendar, once a week we have our our date night where we Mm -hmm. really prioritize our time together. We have a family night where we're with the girls. We kind of start our week off that way. Monday, date night, Tuesday, night with the girls. and then I try to see about intentionally getting with people throughout the week of like, whether it's business or whether it's just relationship building mm-hmm. and going deeper. Cool. Yeah. That is? I think so. Bad? Oh, well, I mean, I try to, in an ideal week, <laughs> you're, I know. you're pushing me. So. <laughs> in an ideal <laughs> week, I would, like to, I would like to shut down my screens an hour before bed, but that's, that hasn't been happening lately. No, we're so, both we're both kind of bad about that. It's hard, yeah. You know, and we watch then we watch some TV too. Sometimes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes not not very often. Not very often. No, we kind of watch. Like if we get into a show, we kind of will. It has to be worth it. Yeah, or we'll yep. or we'll quit it. Or we'll quit, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then we just go to bed, which is actually better every time if we just go to bed. So, yeah. Yep. I also think. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, but I'm I'm getting back into the ice bath. I'm going to do it today. Awesome. And that's just good for me. I saw a video with Wim Hof. You might have sent it to, to me or sent it to you. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the dopamine in your body goes up 250, 300%. Inflammation goes down that it's like one of the best things you could do for your mental health, no matter if you struggle with depression, bipolar, addiction, like it truly is. Um, and so I'm reincorporating that into my daily routine. Awesome. Well, good. Yeah. yeah it's all those things. You always really... do the cold showers. I do. Mm-hmm. I like those. Yeah. So can I get you in the ice bath soon? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm reading a book called the wedge and it's all about that. This guy, Scott Carney has studied with Wim Hof and it's all about like retraining ourselves. Mm. Yeah. So, well, that was beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I want to encourage people, if they thought of a question to ask you, please send it, send it because we're going, I've, I've realized now, 
that we've done our first Q&A while we were talking, I was like, we're, we have so many questions. So I think this will just be a running thing that we'll do, you know, every few episodes, we'll run one of these. So, um, so please send in your questions to overcome podcast at Gmail or send them on social media. Yeah. I want to say thank you so much to the community that we're building. Um, I'm really grateful, really grateful for the audience, the listenership and the stories that I get to hear. I mean, write in a question, but also let us know an overcome story in your own life, how you've been encouraged, um, or something that you've done. We've heard some pretty incredible stories already. Oh, we would love that. Yes. Yeah. I'd we'll, love at the we'll, end of we'll these Q&As to be able to, or the end of every episode, yeah, be able yeah. to spotlight something so, yeah. and share it on social media. Exactly. And mm-hmm. also we're still in the phase of getting Apple reviews. Uh, we would love those. Also Spotify, we've come up on those a little bit too. Yeah. Got to listen to a few episodes on Spotify to be able to rate it, but also the reviews really, really help us know how to serve you better. Um, mm-hmm. What you like, and how we can do it better and what kind of guests you'd like us to see and what stories you were encouraged by and how we can make this show better. I would love to hear that. Um, and we'll be doing giveaways uh, periodically yeah. for people that 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 win by mm-hmm. putting in a review. So thank you so much for your feedback. Thank you for helping the show grow. If you like it, if you if you think this would help anybody, please send it out to them, share it. So thank you so much for everybody being here. Hey, don't forget to send your overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.